Hi, and welcome to the podcast ministry of New Life Church in Springfield, Ohio. We hope that the transformative truths of God's Word impact, challenge, and bless you. You are finite in your bandwidth. I've been saying that a whole lot lately, and I'm not done. Um, your bandwidth. You, you only have so much energy, so much uh, love, so much affection, so much. Uh, uh, you, you only have so much, right? Sure. And so you need to guard that. You need to make sure that, uh, like uh, Garrett was talking about just now, making sure not that we don't do all these things, you know, that, taking care of, you know, being a good steward, being a good example at the job, you know, and be present in all these areas. But the, the real truth of the matter is the first things have to come first, the things that God has entrusted to you, those things that are eternal, right? That's the real difference. Things with eternal weight and consequences we need to give greater heed to and make sure there's enough of us to be who we're supposed to be. Amen? Praise God. I'm going to read this passage of Scripture today, in, also in John. John 13, verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them till the end. I love that. You know, because sometimes, you know, you're just reading it like a scroll, like a script. you got to remember there's a guy hunched over this somewhere. A guy with knowledge, intimate knowledge of, of who Jesus was. And so I just see him just like sitting there almost kind of recounting the, uh, you know, the story of Jesus. The story of what we saw through our eyes and through those, that, you know, who we've talked to. And he's sitting there and he's writing. And so Jesus knew that it was coming up and that it was going to, he was going to die. His time had come. He was going to go to the Father. And he's just sitting there writing. And he said, and he loved them. He loved those of his own who were in this world. And then he stops for a second and just says, I, I need to write more. Like, I know I just said that. And so he just adds, he loved them to the end. Isn't that a powerful addendum? He just sits there and thinks, the last things that I remember about him Man, he loved us. You're just like, wow. Anyway, John chapter 14's gonna gotta write this, but man, he sure loved us. That's kind of the tone, that's the tenor of what the what, what the writer is recounting. And you'll see why it's such a powerful thing he goes into. He says, And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from the supper and laid aside his garment, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin. A basin is just, you know, like a little little tub, right? Small tub. He pours water into it, fills it up. And he began to wash the disciples' feet. Men's feet, man feet, right? Like first century man feet. And to wipe them with a towel which, with which he was already girded. And then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And normally, I like, I make him out to be a doofus a little more than I am right now. I think that, you know, if you were there, probably the way that, uh, you know, the verbiage would come out, he would say, you know, you're not washing my feet. Or, why are you washing my feet? Or, are you seriously about to wash my feet? My feet? 
but thankfully Peter, he will always put to, you know, he will put to voice all the questions that everyone else might have, and he gets, you know, kind of knocked for it. But Jesus answered and said to him, what am I doing? What I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will know after this. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Bold. You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. It's a pretty serious thing. You know? You ever walk in the room and it's awkward? Or somebody says something? I got this weird thing where I, I like get almost like panicky when someone is saying something really awkward and then like the whole room gets weird. I get weird with it and I like I, I like I get real uncomfortable. Like I, I don't know what you call that. I used to have a term for it where you would uh, you know the room kind of gets really tight and then I what what do you call it when you have it on like referred, like you have it on behalf of somebody else? And you're and you, you it's like a referred cringe, right? So referred pain is whenever you like you, you like you, your head gets hit real hard and then your shoulders hurting somehow because like it's it, it's referring the pain signals because it's overloading them. I get a referred cringe whenever the room gets weird, right? And I'm gonna come up with a diagnosis for that and copyright it. But I do get that yeah referred cringe. Let's stick with that. Um, this room does get weird for a second, right? Because normally Peter, you know, and it happens before, usually it is Peter, because like uh, Peter will be like, and Jesus will be like, get behind me, Satan. So he does this a lot, and and you can just feel the tension. He says, I'm going to wash your feet now. Are you washing my feet? You ain't washing my feet. You will never wash my feet. And Jesus says, okay, all right, well, just so you know, if you don't let me wash your feet, you have no part of me. You're out. So Peter kind of comes into agreement with he understands. Um, and he said, well, okay, Lord, not my feet only, but also wash my hands and my head. And Jesus says to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who, who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. I am your teacher. I am the Lord. Right? And he establishes that. He says, You call me Lord, and you know why you do it? Because I am. I am your teacher. I am the person who is above you in, in, you know, in, my, uh, in my role. I am the Lord. I am. Yeah, you're right. Like, you're not wrong. I am the Lord. However... If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who, who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for this word today. Lord, I pray that it just finds a good ground. Help us to choose to be good ground. Help me to, instead of uh, just clumsily um, giving my opinion on how things go and what life looks like, God, help everything, every word that passes from my mouth um, to build the narrative of grace, of truth, of the word of God, Lord. Let everything that I say come into full and total agreement with who you are and with the word of God. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
man, he loved them. Going back to the very beginning there, he did love them so very much. And the last two, there's, there's two ways that he loves them through this. Firstly, he loves them through a, a very practical, humble, undignified service that he did. You know, this is, you know, it has a practical application. He just did this. There's also kind of like a built-in spiritual application um, where he washes a part of them, and it's their feet. And Peter's like, well, let's just do the whole thing while you're at it. Yeah. And uh, he's like, no, I'm trying to teach something here. The feet, that's what comes into contact with the world. Right? So he is kind of, he, he is saying there's a part of you because you are, you are redeemed. You are, you're, you're my church. You're saved. You are, um, you've, been, um, you've been sanctified and changed. However, there's always going to be, as long as he, until he comes back and until we go to heaven, there's always going to be a part of you and me that is in contact with the world and picks up the world's stuff. Right? And that is our feet. That is kind of just like an example of our feet. So we're walking and, you know, we're picking up stuff. And Jesus said, you know, I have done the true work of sanctification. I've done the true work of redemption and cleansing your heart and your life. However, you do keep picking up stuff and tracking it around. Amen? You do keep picking stuff up in the world. So you need a continual washing because it's an imperfect life. But you so far, it's an imperfect world. One day it will be. Not yet. So he washes their feet. He teaches them a lesson that would manifest in great blessing in their life. That's another way he loved them. He loved them enough to do it you know, you know, and, and show them, but he also left them with something that would manifest in blessing over their life as they do it for others. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And he teaches us how to be like him, how to enter into this, this, this humbling experience and actually take part in being aligned with the character of Christ and all the ways that that's going to manifest in their life. So number one, I have three points today. Number one, let him wash you. Let him, you, and you have to let him cleanse and sanctify you. Now there are a couple ways why this is, where this is going, two ways that this is going to happen. So point one, sub point two, or sub point one, um, through the word. Ephesians 5 and 25 through 20 says, Husbands, the husband said Amen. The husband said amen. There you go. Thank you. The rousing amen from the sound booth. Help help him out, man. Wives say amen. All right. Just so we know, it is talking to you know, us and even in our roles. Um, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. We're getting through at this passage in Ephesians where he's teaching what it is to love, what it is to, uh, to be self-sacrificial, to, uh, to, to live and to work and to thrive in harmony with other people. And, and that is based on serving each other, right? It, it, it's, it's on submitting. It's on serving. It's protecting. It's, it's, it's putting the other person ahead of you and their needs ahead of yours. That's what it is. And so he's doing all this really good teaching and then he kind of brings it all to a crescendo in Ephesians. He says, husbands, love your wives, and then sets the bar way high, way high, and says, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Amen. Now, I have to do some teaching. Um, whenever I'm talking to people who are brand new converts or people who are maybe not saved at all, then I, I, I feed very basic stuff, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, I almost said milk and beans. <laughs> I'm having a stroke. Uh, uh, 
Okay. Um, meat and potatoes. How about that? But really, it's the milk of the word. It's the basic stuff that you can kind of chew on as a newbie and understand and then, and then eat, right? So you're like, okay, this is the basics. Got to get to the basics here because I'm new. Um, but then sometimes some of the newbies, you have to understand that I have to deal with things that come from a mindset that is very churched and sometimes wrongly churched. And so you're like, why are you even dealing with that? Like, who even does that? And I'm like, they're there. Trust me. They exist. <laughs> You know, there, there are people who get this very, very wrong, and there's hurt people because of it. So I do have to backtrack sometimes. You're like, why are you even addressing that thing? And I'm like, you don't know, and you're blessed because you don't know. So washing through the word. This verse always felt like a lot of pressure on us as the church, and it's usually been preached that way and you know, as that I've been exposed to. And this is like the vibe, okay? They read this church. He coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle, and, he's, and, and, and you better be good. You better get it right. Better get your wrinkles out. Get it out. Get yourself together because he's not joking. He's coming back. And if you are not the way that he wants you to look and the way, and if you're not perfect, literally perfect, then you're done. So get it together. Church. That's like, that's right. That's the vibe sometimes that we get with that. Is it just me? Yeah, some of y'all folks won't say amen, but you know, you, Michael, you know I'm telling the truth, aren't you? I'm telling the truth. Get it together. I'm talking not a wrinkle. You fix it. You iron it. Get yourself, because he is coming back, and if he comes back, he don't like what he sees, you're done. And while I do believe in sanctification and that we need to obey the word and be conformed to the perfect image of Christ, that's not what's going on here. He's coming back for a perfect church and a perfect person. And if you're not perfect when you, no, you, if you're not perfect when he comes back, you got a wrinkle, you got a spot. That's what, I mean, that's how it's preached. No spots, no wrinkles, no blemishes. If I can't bounce a quarter off this church when I come back, that's, right, that's the vibe. And that's not what this passage is really about. It's not. Some of you might, might push back. That's all right. This whole passage is about love. Read it. Read it from beginning to end. This is about love. The husband loving the wife just as Christ loves the church. The picture here is not God riding up and, or Jesus coming back and being like, ooh, mm, don't like that. That's not the picture. This is the picture. The washing. The act of love and service. How did we miss that? He says, husbands, you need to love your wives like he did. He loved very much. And when he washes, it's love. He cleanses out of love. He corrects us out of love. He ministers to us. He takes away our pain, our sorrow, our sinful tendencies. He speaks to us. He comforts us out of service. What are we talking about? The reason why there will be a church without spot or wrinkle or blemish won't be because you buffed it out. It'll be because he buffed it out as we sat there knowing about our imperfection and couldn't even look him in the eye. I said, not, not me, God. No, 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 no. But he loves you. 
It's him serving you. It's not him saying, you have this high and lofty standard. I'll be back. You work on yourself. Get yourself straight. Get yourself worked out. I'll be back. And if there's a blemish, y'all moms ever, ever, <laughs> you clean that room. And when I you got 10 minutes, when I come back, if it ain't clean, right. Amen. That's not a bad vibe for a mom, but it's not a vibe of Jesus. Because when there's work to do, when there's washing to do, when there's cleansing and and restoration and, and rebuilding to do, he doesn't leave. He stays and does it. You thought he went and left you to buff it out and to wrinkle it and to do the ironing. Not really. He said, I am here with my love, with my word to teach you right from wrong and to help you to conform yourself out of the sinful, wicked ways of the world into holiness, into righteousness, into truth. But I am the one here to do it, not you. I came to serve, not to be served. How did we miss it? This passage is, about, is not about us doing works that make us better in His eyes. It's about Him and us and us allowing Him to do the work in us. Because your righteousness is as filthy rags. Now that doesn't mean we can just live any old way and just say, yeah, yeah fix it up, God. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to walk where I want. I want to live how... No, 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 no. That's not the picture either. The picture is Him. As we submit ourselves to his word and to truth and holiness and righteousness, him doing the work in us. And he's there for the long haul. Let him wash you. He works through the work, washing of the word and he works through others. Some of you guys are not very good at letting others serve you. Others love you. Others be there for you. And that is bad. I had like nine minutes of preaching there, but I've already like kind of bit, you know, made three laps, so I have to keep going. That is bad. And then we'll go to the next one. I always wonder what would happen if a preacher did that. Like, and that is wrong. And we will go to point number two, sub point one. There are three reactions you can have, right? Whenever somebody does something, for whenever someone is, is doing the washing thing. For, for today's example, it is this passage of scripture where Jesus is washing the feet, and it's awkward because you're like, oh man, I don't know. Like, I'm so, mom knows I'm going to say something crazy. She's already laughing. I don't know. Like, it, it, the disciples like, oh, I would have I clipped my toes if I'd known that this was coming. Like, uh, I, I don't feel ready to be ministered to. I don't feel ready to receive what God has for me. You ever been there? Like, God, I appreciate what you're trying to do in this worship service. But I ain't quite ready to let you do what you want to do. And Jesus said, you either let me have access totally and now and unfettered, or you have no part of me. We got we to let him work in us, amen? He loves us. There are three reactions you can have when somebody um, tries to minister to you, tries to wash your feet figuratively. There's a, a pastor from Texas, and, uh, you know, this is a, you know, he was, you know, he, he, I really like this guy. He's a good preacher. And so he, uh, <clears throat> you know, he was blessed and he was able to receive, you know, this vehicle. He got, a, you know, this brand new, really nice vehicle and it was awesome. And so like just where he was financially, he was like, uh, he felt the Lord speak to him, said, you know, I blessed you with this. And so he said, you know what, I'm going to give my old car to somebody who needs one and just you know, invite him over to dinner and bless him and say, hey, you know, the Lord, just let me do this. And that's, you know, isn't that nice? Isn't that a cool thing? Oh, if it was you, would it be? Yeah. Amen. I think that's awesome. Good for him. Very cool. 
and so he brought the family over, and so like the, uh, you know, and the wife is like, oh, you know, this is so great, like, thank you so much, you know, she's happy, has the right response, you know, joy, gratefulness, and the guy, and I can totally see this, the guy, he walks around the new car and takes a couple turns, and said, huh, you ain't giving that one away, are you? Can you imagine? Can you imagine saying that? Would you do that? Maybe some of you would. Maybe some of you would say that. That'd be, I can't believe that. Um, very, very, very uh, entitled. You know, very rude. I can't imagine saying that. My mom was smacking the gray out of my head right now. She caught me acting like that toward people. So we all didn't get no whoopings. Nobody owes you anything. And when people are generous, we should respond with humility and graciousness. That's a message this generation needs to hear. Nobody owes you anything. For sure, Jesus doesn't. But he gave of himself freely. And when somebody does, we should have the right response. So that's the first one. You can be entitled and ungrateful. Number two, and this one is more prevalent. Um, awkward and unreceptive. That's the second bad reaction. There's, you know, there's one good and there's two bad. Um, awkward and unreceptive. I used to be like this a little bit. Have you ever got into like a, a, uh, a, a Texas standoff with somebody over, over the check at the end of the meal? You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? And, and you're just like, oh, no, I'll take care of it. No, I'll take care of it. No, I'll... I'll take care of it. I need to. I need, I need this. I have to do this. I can't, I can't receive something. There are people like that. They won't ask me uh, for no help, uh, for nothing. You know, they, they'd be bleeding out on the ground. Oh, it's a scratch. Tis but a scratch. Yeah. yeah you, you, there's people who live like this, live their life like this, just will not receive anything good without trying to double it back. Oh, well, I'll get you next time. You're really missing the point here. I could get me this time, and then we could just like not worry about it if that was like the motive, right? I mean, you don't want to take advantage of it either. But every time, like, you know, if I'm going to have a bite to eat with Garrett, and he's like, I'm going to make some, uh, make some street tacos, make some, uh, and I'll be like, well, you know what? Okay, I'll be God. Tis better to give. <laughs> you do it. You do it. I mean, it's... I'll do something else, maybe, but, uh, but you know, nobody's going to like it if I cook. You're going to have a bad night, I'll have a bad night. Well, let's just, you know, I am happy to receive and let you be blessed. You don't want to take advantage, but allow people to be a part of your life. Don't be so standoffish all the time, right? Peter says, you'll never do that. When someone is, and I got a word, I got a word real quick, especially for people who do any kind of ministry, um, when someone is kind enough to tell you they enjoyed your testimony, your preaching, your singing, you know what I mean, like that? Maybe if, maybe if, man, if I get this thing back on track, maybe someone will send me that today, you know? And I say, hey, I appreciate that word. You know, that was good preaching. Um, so if this is you, whether it's your testimony, whether it's singing, whether it's you, know, you did something or you just said something or you, what, or you preached a message, young preachers, hear me. Do us all a favor and stop growing a halo on the spot. Some of you are not churchy enough to know what I mean. Bless you. Bless you. Say that. You know, stay that way. Um, because, you know, they're, they're like, oh, well, brother, it's just it's the Lord. You know, I can't tell. 
you know what I'm talking about. You've seen it, right? It, it, you don't have to be very churchy to understand what I'm talking about here. Oh, hey, man, that was a really good testimony. Gene, that was a good word the other night. You gave, Sam gave a testimony. I liked it. You know, and he doesn't just, well, it was nothing in me. I am literal filth and only God. So I can't understand it. I just, you know, it, it happens. You know, it's all God, though. It's all God. Stop. And he didn't do that. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, you know, you sit on the front row. I'm, 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 I'm going to come over here and say hi sometimes, all right? So, and I appreciate that. Don't do that. Just be gracious. Just be gracious. And maybe you did do a good job, and maybe they just want to say, hey, thank you for that. For this, thank you for that testimony about God's love. Man, it went right with the message, didn't it? It sure did. Thank you for doing that. And she don't have, and you say, hey, I appreciate that. You know what I say if someone said I do a good job preaching sometimes? I say, thank you. I'm really glad that ministered to you, and I appreciate your encouragement. See, was that that hard? You don't have to grow a halo on the spot and pretend like, you know, you're just floating in the clouds and you, you know. I told you there would be like some churched rabbit trails. <laughs> and I was going to chase down some stuff. Made so much, that blessed some of y'all. Awkward and unreceptive to people ministering to you. Don't be that way. Here's how you want to be. You want to accept the washing, the service, the love, the outpouring of other people gratefully and with humility. Gratefully and with humility. Don't ruin it when someone tries to, you know, don't make it so awkward or so like, like, you, they, like you're indebted. Just let people love you. Let Jesus, and here's the real bad thing, is not only you're missing out on people, you're missing out on Jesus because Jesus went to prepare a place for you and you are the, and the, the body is the hands and the feet of Christ. So Jesus is reaching for you and you're pushing it away. How did Jesus handle it? I'm, I'm almost done. I'm on point three, sub point two. Jesus received extravagant gifts. Did you know this? He did. He did. Now, the first example, I went right to the very beginning. I was like, man, he was like out of the womb like nine minutes, it felt like. And then he's got gold, frankincense, and myrrh being brought to him. And then I was like, yeah, he's a little too young to, you know, to be a perfect example there. What's he going to say? You know. So I was like, what else? What else? And then I thought about this. We used to, um, I think these were from the Holy Land, but we grew up um, with these little uh, alabaster eggs. And there was a jar until we broke it, not for biblical reasons. Um, but, you know, we had these little eggs. Um, they were made of beautiful. If you don't know what alabaster is, check it out. It's really cool. It's like this, uh, I don't know, it's like this. What, what, what color would that be? It's kind of like a creamy color. Yeah, creamy, yellow, like shiny. It's beautiful, okay? And it's a very precious um, stone that they would, you know, but it's very malleable. So they would carve out flasks and different things using that. Jesus, uh, before his death, is visited by this woman who I can only imagine is not like super rich. And she brings to him, I believe a year's wages, right? And an alabaster jar and this beautiful, good smelling ointment that is a commodity. Spices were a huge commodity at that point. Comes, falls at her feet, breaks the jar so there's no putting it back in. Right? She didn't. There's no going back. Just beautiful, unfettered sacrifice and an expression of love. Some of y'all could learn how to love Jesus like that. Amen? Some of you could be reminded to love Jesus extravagantly. And she breaks it. You know what Jesus does? Because he could have had several reactions, right? And then one, at least one disciple um, wanted him to have a different reaction than he has. 
And he's like, you know, this could totally, and, and it's Judas, he's the worst, he's the worst. And he's like, he's like, you totally could have given that and then we could have fed the poor and I could have skimmed off the top like I do always. See, sometimes people don't like that. They don't like, they don't like people's worship they don't like whenever it doesn't fit in you know, their narrative or like, or anyway. So she breaks it. Judas has a problem. Jesus just sits there. Now he could have said, hey, don't worry about it. You don't have to do this for me. Um, you know, give it to the poor. He could have said that. You know what he also could have said? He could have also been like, hey, sis, this is like anoint, an ointment for my burial for whenever I start to rot in the grave, right? I'm not going to need it. Don't worry about it. I'll be out of there before I start to smell bad. Don't even worry about it. Keep it. Jesus does not do this. Jesus demonstrates something that we need to see, we need to understand. He humbly and beautifully accepts the service, the worship, the praise, the blessing. He allows her to do that. So what does that say about you? What does this whole narrative, what does this whole passage of Scripture say about the way that we react, the way that we respond? And the last thing, that they learn the first and they learn how to receive it and then he says now that you we've established that i'm me i'm jesus i'm you know i'm the master i'm the rabbi and i wasn't too good to do it where does that leave you where does it leave us if jesus was not too good to love and to serve and to get down on bended knee and humble himself in service and love and sacrifice what does that say about our role one to another into a lost and dying world Normally, Jesus sets the bar extremely high. I think you could kind of say that in this case, he set it extremely low, very low bar. The bar is our own pride. And some churches have made foot washing into like a public ordinance, and it's just kind of like a thing that we do. And we all just, yeah. Um, you know, particularly like in some of the Mennonite churches. And I, I saw one of those memes, and they're like, uh, you know, and all the girls are out getting their, their pedicures, and they're like foot washing coming up. You know, we got to make sure we're, you know, can't be having yeah, my disgusting toes. So they all get them right beforehand. So you can make it into an ordinance. That's fine. But once it becomes an ordinance, we have to make sure it doesn't stop being a relevant lesson. Right? It can't be just something we go through and something we just do. And we can do that as a people. Um, why I put stupid illustrations at the end when I'm trying to kind of bring it together, but uh, it's there. Um, sometimes we can make even the most beautiful sacrifices, the most powerful expressions of who God wants us to be into rote, right? R-O-T-E, and that just means go, just the, that's the thing that we do when we do church. And it kind of, for some reason, this popped in my mind. There's a, this old, 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 old Disney cartoon, the Robin Hood one. Yeah. Robin Hood, Little John, going through the forest, that one. Um, and then Robin Hood goes and he kneels before uh, Prince John, who is, you know, he's the ruler. He's got the crown and everything. And for some reason, this popped into my mind. And he kisses his hand. Some of you old heads know what I'm talking about. And he goes. And he takes all the jewels out of, the, out of, the, out of his rings. And so, and so he's like, oh, thank you. Thank you. And then Robin Hood smiles. And he's got, like, all the jewels in his teeth. And then he runs off after robbing Prince John. Now you remember. And for some reason, that popped into my head, and I was like, man, we can do that as church people sometimes. 
we can rob the impetus of the lesson and make it into an ordinance. I don't know when holiness became something uh, to keep other people out instead of for us to get closer to God. I don't know, you know, and, and I, you know, I believe in, in, in hearing to the word of God fully and, cons- and living a consecrated life and, and a life of sanctification and sacrifice. However, we need to make sure that the, the, the ordinances don't become us kissing the king's hand and just kind of taking the value, taking the, and, and still going through the motions. Don't do that with the foot washing. The foot washing, if we just all kind of line up and everybody has to do it or you look like the weirdo if you didn't do it. What's it about? What's it really about? It's about serving God and serving others. It's about the beauty of sacrifice. It's about Jesus, and it's about being like Jesus. So I want to say a prayer over you today and pray that, the, uh, that this message finds, you know, and that this, this relevant word finds a root place to root, that seed finds a place to root in your heart and your life. Um, Number one, he loves you. Every word that proceeds from his mouth, even whenever he's warning us about the terror and and the horrors of of hell and life without him, eternal life without him, it, it is to pull you from the flame. He loves you. He loves you. In context, everything about, because God is love. And if you don't understand, then ask some questions and get a full revelation of who God is. And you will understand that God is just as God is love. Amen. God loves you. Receive the love of God. You may be here today on the sound of my voice and you feel like, I, I don't deserve that. I don't want that. Here's the problem. You say, I don't want anything I don't deserve. I just preached a whole series right there, and y'all missed it. The biggest thing that keeps people away from God is that we in our flesh, we don't want something we don't deserve. And we're left in a very dark place because we don't deserve much. And we sure don't deserve him. We don't deserve forgiveness. We don't deserve grace and mercy, favor, and blessing. It's the old prodigal son story. The father runs to the son in his filthy state to throw his hands around him. And the, and the son doesn't even get, we get to read the speech he's making, you know, that he's working on as he goes, I will go to my father and I will say, I am no longer worthy to be your son. I Make me as one of your hired servants. And so, um, and so the speech gets interrupted, right? I love it when, when, when that happens. The son is like, working on his wrinkles. Woo! Yeah, back to what I was talking about a minute ago. Yeah, you get these blemishes out, but I've been with pigs, and I can't, and I stink, and I don't know how to not stink like before he gets here. <laughs> right? Like, what am I going to do? And so he's like, well, I'll make this speech. I'll make this speech. Father, I am no longer worthy, and I would ju-. And if you read the Bible... It's as intense as that because he fell on his neck. Sounds violent. And kissed him and embraced him in his filth. And he said, you did your part, which was just to come home. Just come unto me. 
And then what does he do? He said, don't, the, the blemish that I was talking about, the spots and the wrinkles that I'm talking about, bring the new robe, my robe of righteousness. Let me put that on you. The whole process was me taking your wrinkles out. It was me loving you past the point of what you deserve to the point of what you needed. It was me doing it. It wasn't you. Let him love you because that's who he is. And you can trust a God like that. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for another little bit of revelation that we could see you today through the lens of your word without the shading or the rose-colored or dark-colored glasses of, of our own pain and performance and suffering, our own lackluster ability to live up to what we know is right. We do want to be like you. We do want to be holy because you are holy. We do want to follow after your word and your precepts, but we have found ourselves here today unable to, in our own strength, be like you. And so that we ask you, Lord, because you are so good at washing, you are so good at restoring, you are so good at making me like you because I'm not very good at making me like you. We submit ourselves to your love and to your grace, to the washing of your word, to the encouragement and service of your body. I pray that you walk with us. Bless this congregation. May they walk in favor and in truth. May they walk in righteousness and holiness that you have provided. And continue through the reading of your word and that washing to be conformed to the image of Christ in all that we do, all that we say, all that we are. In Jesus' name.